Today's episode is sponsored by Podcorn. I'm excited to introduce you all to Podcorn. It's a marketplace connecting podcasters to amazing podcast sponsorship opportunities, ranging from interview segments to topical discussions and more. My absolute favorite feature is that there's no middleman. No matter the size or who the audience of your podcast is, you can browse and choose opportunities right on the platform that best fits you. It's super easy to browse your site, and I love how it's a one-stop shop for sponsorship opportunities, and it gives me the freedom to set my own rates. I can also collaborate with brands directly without any exclusivities. Podcorn is here to support you at every step and ensure you're protected and compensated for the work that you do for brands. Their mission is to give podcasters transparency, creative freedom, and full control of how and when we monetize. So make sure to click the link in my episode notes to sign up to Podcorn and start browsing sponsorship opportunities for your podcast or brand. You can also visit their site by typing podcorn.com in your search bar. Thank you so much to Podcorn for sponsoring the podcast. I really hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode. If you feel like, why don't I love the Quran? Like this is Allah Subhanahu's words. It's not a matter of I need to be perfect before I can approach the Quran. No, it's the Quran that will heal us. It's the Quran that washes away our sins. It's the Quran that beautifies and purifies our heart. I remember my teachers also telling us that don't get attached to the feelings that you get when you worship because those come and go. Sometimes when we pray, we feel like we are, you know, really an Isra and Miraj. When it comes to Quran, you know, we're getting reward, like whether we feel it or not. You know, if we just come with an open heart and, you know, make dua, Ya Allah, open my heart to the Quran and help me to love it, help me to love your words. With time, if somebody who is consistently reciting, I, I would be surprised if there's not something that shifts in your heart, you know, some kind of attachment that grows. You know, you mentioned feeling that shame and guilt, just leaving that in the past. Right in this moment, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has put this love in my heart, this desire. Alhamdulillah, I'm, I'm moving forward with it. If you find darkness in your heart after you've sinned, Know that in your heart there is light, and only because of this light, you felt the darkness. You're listening to Unsween and Unfiltered, the podcast, episode 6 of season 4. Ramadan Kareem, everyone. SubhanAllah, what a beautiful gift we have received from Allah to witness another Ramadan. Take a moment to soak this in. May this month soften our hearts to allow the blessings of Allah to make their way in. May we find the ease we have been desperately seeking and the guidance we have been praying for. May every one of our tears and every one of our prayers reach the heavens. And in return, we reap the rewards of trying our best to spiritually connect to our Creator. May we be overwhelmed by the infinite love of Allah, the time spent with our loved ones over iftar, and may Allah protect those who are oppressed. May we truly come together as an ummah to hold compassion for one another and truly welcome each other with no judgment. May our own hardships allow us to extend our mercy unto others, knowing that they too have faced their own battles. May this Ramadan truly change us for the better. Ameen. Recently, I came across a question that I would like to share with you all. What use is armor anyway when the worst critic is in your head? I want you to take a moment to reflect upon this question. Put pause on the episode if needed. In Ramadan, we are reminded of how the shaitan is locked up. And so we realize, okay, then it's our responsibility to work on our nafs and hold ourselves accountable for our actions in hopes that we are doing better, inshallah, that we come out of this month doing better. I don't want to share this reminder to overwhelm you with the feeling of you are not a good Muslim if you've experienced anger or any sort of shortcoming for the past few days of Ramadan. Instead, I want you to realize that the shame you are still carrying 
the shame that may be preventing you from performing various acts of worship may be coming from our own limiting beliefs. In my own personal experience, a few months ago, I felt an immense amount of shame dusting off my Quran, physically dusting it off. And in that moment, I could have chosen to drown in that shame and have the Quran continue to collect dust. Or I can thank Allah for planting this desire in my heart to connect to his words. And so in this episode, I sit down with Dr. Sadia, author of The Crowning Venture, to discuss her own personal journey of connecting with the Quran, how she had gone from initially wanting to learn Arabic to instead memorizing the Quran, subhanAllah. It was honestly meant to be for me to cross paths with her book, and it's truly what pushed me to find my own way to connect with the Quran. And so in this conversation, we speak of our own personal experiences of how we opened our hearts to the Quran, our own personal bouts with imposter syndrome when it comes to our faith, and how the Quran can truly, truly transform us. This episode is tailored to anyone who wants to start their journey of connecting to the Quran, to anyone who is struggling with shame or guilt, and to those who are looking for a space where they are not overwhelmed with the notion that they are not good enough for Allah's mercy or guidance. Let's dive in. Thank you so much for joining me today, Dr. Sadia. You know, I just finished reading your book, The Crowning Venture, and I absolutely loved it. And honestly, this conversation is influenced by your book. So I can't wait to learn more about your journey with the Quran and just even just your journey in writing a book, mashallah. One of my favorites, absolutely one of my favorites at the moment. And I can't wait to learn a little bit more about you, inshallah, and then we can get right into it. Assalamu alaikum. Thank you so much for having me here. So I live in Michigan. I'm an endocrinologist, which means hormone doctor, i.e. thyroid, diabetes, etc., all the hormones. Special interest in holistic and functional medicine. And I just launched another side business called the Holistic Endocrinologist, which is educational right now. And I am the author of The Crowning Venture, Inspiration from Women Who Have Memorized the Quran and the companion journal slash planner that goes along with it. That's so incredible, honestly. And I can't wait to host a giveaway in regards to just like, you know, I want more people to know more about your book. And for me, I, I shared with you, like it was my push and my motivation to pick up the Quran, which I'll speak about in just a bit. But I want to learn more about your book and, and your journey in writing this book and what it meant to you to even talk about your personal and intimate relationship with the Quran alongside so many other women from so many different backgrounds and their own personal relationship and journey with memorizing the Quran? My journey started many, many years ago, and I did not set out with the intention to memorize the Quran. I had just gotten into med school. I got a letter of acceptance, and I had about eight months before I was going to start med school. At that time, there was a big push to learn Arabic. There was um, a lot of rhetoric around that the way the key to our faith is to learn Arabic. I thought, since I have time, why don't I go to an, a Muslim country, an Arabic-speaking country, where I can learn more Arabic? It was supposed to be a three-week trip to Syria. I ended up staying four and a half months. During that time, I switched gears from just focus, focusing on Arabic to working on my tajweed, which is the recitation proper recitation of the Quran. I ended up day and night working on it, working on it, working on it. And by the end of my trip, I ended up getting my ijazah to teach the Dweed, which is a certificate to teach the Dweed. That's where my journey with the Quran in a deep, long-lasting way started. 
the reason I, I'm going all the way back all those many years is because by spending so much time with the Quran, there was a transformation that occurred, even though I did not speak Arabic. I did not understand Arabic. And there, that's the, the miracle of the Quran, the gift of the Quran. So by reciting so much, I developed a deep love for the recitation. And in turn, it also deepened my love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It deepened my faith. After that, I came back to the U.S. I started medical school four days after I came back. That was, I can't believe I did that. <laughs> like four days. I need, like, if I'm just going on vacation, not even uh, somewhere to memorize the Quran, I need like a week to like digest and relax and then go back to work. But mashallah, four days and you just went back to medical school. Wow. Yeah, and that was my first year. So I was just starting medical school. I really have to give a shout out to the people here back home and on the ground who facilitated so much for me. The paperwork back then, there, the internet was brand new. So my my older sister, Manaza, she, I remember her getting paperwork. She sent it to me via DHL to Syria. I signed it. I sent it back. That's how it was. And um, so many other things she did for me. So it was that important to me that I stay there and I complete that before I left. And um, from there, I had this automatic desire to memorize the Quran. And that came from being around so many women and girls of all ages who had memorized the Quran or who were memorizing the Quran. There's a, a quote, um, you can't be what you can't see. So this quote Essentially, that's where I got my vision for memorizing the Quran. I saw so many people doing it. It had never really occurred to me that it's something that I could do. But once I saw that other women had done it, I had this burning desire for that to be my next step with the Quran. I wanted to be able to recite it without looking at it. I wanted to be able to recite it anywhere. So I went back. I started medical school. I completed two years. After I completed my second year and took my step one exam, I passed, alhamdulillah. A few months prior to that, I brought up this idea of spending a year in Syria after my second year of medical school. And, you know, at the time, my mom was a little nervous. Eventually, she she just agreed out of nowhere. Her heart just turned and she she said, if you really want to do this. Yeah, she's like, you have my blessing. My dad was supportive from the beginning. Mm-hmm. He's like, you have my blessing. So I took a year off from medical school. That's the time that I spent in Syria, going through the entire Quran, memorizing it, reciting it to my teacher. I was simultaneously learning Arabic at the same time. So my Arabic did improve, alhamdulillah. But still, when I started memorizing, my Arabic was was not that good. And that's an important point that I like to stress because one doesn't have to be fluent in Arabic in order to memorize it. That's the, another miracle of the Quran. One doesn't have to be fluent in Arabic to love it, to recite it, to love reciting it, learning it. So, of course, then after that, I came back. I completed my third and fourth year of medical school. I did residency. I did fellowship in endocrinology. Throughout the years, I have been reviewing. It is more of a struggle rather than being completely devoted, you know, all my spending most of my day doing that versus now I have work, I I teach, I take classes. Um, There's a lot of other things that I do. But alhamdulillah, again, I've tasted both sides where I've been able to devote that time and also where life is life. You know, I'm living life, I'm working and to remain consistent with the Quran. The book came about in the idea came about in 2015. Let me tell you, first of all, 
I never would have thought in a million years that, oh, I'm the person who should write this book about memorizing the Quran. There's so many reasons why, <laughs> but it came about one day, myself, a friend and Auntie Tamara Gray, we had gone to Sweden for a women's conference. As we're flying back, sitting on the plane, Auntie Tamara turned to me and said, why don't you write a book about memorizing Quran? I literally just pulled out my smartphone and just started thinking, what would go in a book about memorizing Quran? Like, what would the chapters be? Right there, I wrote out a, an outline. I even wrote out, like, the intro. Wow. Of course, the intro has changed, but I did it right there on the plane, which blows my mind because I am very much an analyzer. Analyzers <laughs> tend to get caught analysis paralysis. <laughs> yes. That's what I was, like, I was thinking to myself. I was like, yeah, it would take me forever to write the book because of that reason. And like you said, there's many more other reasons, including imposter syndrome, which we'll get into in just a bit. But you started writing the book or at least the outline right on that plane ride. Wow. Yes. And like I said, that was out of character because typically I would spend hours, days, weeks, months, years thinking about it, overthinking yeah. <laughs> all the reasons that maybe I shouldn't do this, but I just did it. And subhanAllah, I think that that right there opened a door. It took about a year and a half. I wasn't writing the entire time. I had to maybe a year to write the first draft. And then of course it went through editor. And from that point, it took about three years. And after I, you know, I started out writing my story, sharing my story. It was very difficult for me. I struggled for so many reasons. And one of them, like you mentioned, is imposter syndrome. I had this feeling of, I did not consider myself a hafidah. And even now, I don't necessarily like to use that so much for myself because I always feel like I could do better. So it's partially a healthy bit of keeping me on my toes. But then there also was that part where I just don't want people to know for various reasons, which is really interesting because as I'll talk about, I interviewed other women for the book as well. Many of them had the same sentiments. They did not want people to know that they had memorized the Quran. Different reasons. I don't want to be judged. People are going to think that I have to be perfect. One girl said that after she came back, after memorizing the Quran, her friend made a joke and she laughed and her friend goes, oh my God, I'm so happy that you still laugh. And she's like, I just had this idea that you're going to be all serious now. So it's just all of these like stigmas. And again, I, as, as women, sometimes we're taught not to shine too brightly. So there was a lot of different feelings that went through that. And also I'm a very private person. Writing my story and going into details about my feelings and my struggles, my challenges was so difficult. I remember so many times texting or, or calling my editor. I, I can't do this. I can't do this. It's too personal. <laughs> yeah. She would just say, no, just keep on going. Remember, we're going to edit. I remember probably after doing that many times, she sent me a, a little video clip of a famous Disney song. See if you can guess. I don't know. Is it Let It Go? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Only because I just went to Disney on Ice recently and I took my nephew and that was one of the songs. That song now is stuck in my head for sure. <laughs> yeah. So she sent me this clip and, you know, I kind of laughed about it, but I, I went through and, you know, alhamdulillah, after I wrote my story, I thought about how 
This is very specific to me. I had a chance, an opportunity to go to Syria. Everything kind of fell in place for for that amazing opportunity. Not everybody has that opportunity. I wanted to find women who were from all walks of life. I found women who already had four children, women who were over 60 years of age, converts, uh, women who were working at the same time. I wanted there to be a woman that every single girl or woman could relate to and that their story could resonate with them somehow. And alhamdulillah, the most uh, beautiful feedback that I get is from people like you. Earlier when we were talking and you said that, you know, how it changed your desire to go back and connect with the Quran. So when I think about all of those like fears that I had in writing it and sharing my soul with the world yes, yes. And, and sort of being a representative when there are thousands of women who have memorized the Quran better than me. But when I hear feedback like that, it makes me feel like it was all worth it. I hear from women every week from all different parts of the world. I hear from the Philippines, Turkey, Australia, about how reading your book either re-energized me to go back to memorizing, you know, I had stopped, I went back to it, or it actually made me realize that this is something I could do. And so alhamdulillah, I feel that really warms my heart, that it, it was really all worth it. Because if I had the choice, I would love to stay anonymous and just live my quiet, extroverted, introverted life. So alhamdulillah, that's the book in a nutshell. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that background because I always just find it so interesting. I like to always know everybody's creative journey and how they created what they created. And for you, it, it was such a beautifully written book. And like I said, you shared so many stories of so many women from all walks of life, including yourself. And I'm somebody who hasn't memorized the Quran. And yet I really deeply connected to your book. And this is something personal, you know, and this is something that I felt shame for so long that I would only open the Quran while, you know, Ramadan was approaching. But this time around, Wallah subhanAllah, after just reading your book, I was just inspired to just truly dust off the Quran, you know, my Quran and actually open it. And it's not a figure of speech. And that's something that I had to come to terms with. I'm like, I'm somebody that loves reading. Like that's the majority of my page. I'm always posting books. I'm like, why is it that I neglect the Quran? Why is it that I'm dusting off the Quran right now? You know, I could fall into that train of thought and, and feel down and feel shame and feel guilt. But then I realized like, subhanAllah, it's only Allah that puts that desire in your heart to want to, you know, connect with him. And for me, that connection now took the form of, you know, connecting with the Quran. And I felt like, you know, every time I was conversing with Allah, connecting with Allah, praying, there was still something missing. And that missing piece was the Quran. And when I read your book, it just pushed me. And you're so right. When you see other women and you see them on this journey, you feel like, okay, that could be me too. So aside from also opening the Quran, I'm somebody that does speak Arabic. And I actually went to, you know, Sunday school and I learned Arabic and I learned how to read and write. And of course, as the years passed, I lost um, the ability to be able to read and write. Of course, I can speak fluently. So I also ordered like a journal where I could learn now how to read and write because I would love to read the Quran without the translation. So that's, I guess, my own goal, you know, my own goal that I want to set for myself. And again, it all started with just reading your book. And then subhanAllah, Allah just put that desire in my heart to also push me to opening the book and, and reading just a few pages a day. So it's just, it was, it was a beautiful feeling to finally like, you know, kind of start my day with reading the Quran, sharing a snap with whoever, you know, follows the page and maybe it can inspire them as well. But I just always find it so interesting that, you know, you yourself as an author, like you don't know how many 
people have met your book. Like they have yet to meet you, but they've met your words. They've connected to your words. So I, I really thank you for writing your book. And I want you to know that it really does inspire so many women to also, you know, understand that they're not the only ones struggling with trying to connect to our faith in the best way possible. And, and we're all trying our best. And and sometimes it just takes that first step. And for me, it's just opening the Quran. And for you, just the desire to want to learn Arabic. And then mashallah, now you've memorized it. I do want to talk about going back to talking about the imposter syndrome and whatnot. You know, I know in another incredible author and she remained anonymous. She wrote a book about her faith. She remained anonymous for the sole reason that she did not want to be judged in real life. That's something that I also struggle with, I believe. Like I, I try to share bits and pieces of my personal journey with our faith, but then sometimes I hold back. And the reason why I hold back is because, you know, I don't want to be put in this box where, oh, look at Dunya. She's reading the Quran. She talks about our faith. She talks about, you know, how connected she is to, to Allah and whatnot. She must be a perfect Muslimah. But then when you meet me in real life, you actually also meet my flaws too. And I don't want, I, I just, I guess I don't want to be judged for my shortcomings. I don't want people to have a certain image of me and to compare my real self, flaws and all, with that image that they've put together of me because of what I've shared on social media. So I understand your struggle to, of course, a certain extent, because I haven't memorized the Quran, but for you to be somebody who has memorized the Quran, I can't imagine how people probably imagine you to be a, this perfect Muslim in every aspect. Like there's no flaws to you whatsoever, no imperfections. So it is a difficult journey to be able to, you know, share your personal journey with our faith, but also remind people that I'm still human like you. I'm, I've, I was still created by Allah. I was still created to make mistakes. So I guess that's something that I just want to share because there are, are other women out there that do have the struggle. And I'm also somebody who doesn't wear the hijab. And I always say, inshallah, ya Rab, I, I do wear the hijab one day. Inshallah, ya Rab, look, Allah puts that desire in my heart. But I've connected with other women who don't wear the hijab and they refrain from talking about their faith for that sole reason because they feel like others do look at them like, but you don't wear the hijab. So who are you to speak about our faith? So yeah, I think all women are judged from all aspects. And it's so unfortunate because I think it's such a beautiful way to connect with one another through the beauty of our faith. I absolutely love connecting with other women while conversing about our faith and God and the Quran and whatnot. And I hope that we can continue to do that and not feel any shame and guilt because of our own personal shortcomings. I want to get into how we can develop a better relationship with the Quran. You know, aside from reading it every single day and whatnot, I mean, I could read the pages, I could read the Quran, but how do I truly and deeply connect to the Quran? How can I connect to what it is that I'm reading? And maybe you can just share your own personal journey and how you opened your heart to the Quran. Like, how did you allow the Quran inside of you? Hey, this is a, an, an important question. One very beautiful statement that one of my friends made when I interviewed her, she had memorized the Quran. Her bit of advice at the end was you will not be able to memorize the Quran until you love the Quran. So find what it is that makes you love it. Now, for me personally, I love music. I have a very musically inclined ear. <laughs> I love singing. You know, so for me, like I said, the, the recitation of the Quran, even without understanding the words, it did something to me. You know, it's really interesting because lately one of my new obsessions is the vagus nerve, learning more about it and how it affects health. And the vagus nerve is the... It's the nerve of rest and relaxation and resting, digesting. You know, the, the two states that a person can be in is either fight or flight. And that's when we're revved up where the stress hormones are pouring out. And in order to come back to 
the normal state, the vagus nerve is what brings us back to like a resting state. And subhanAllah, the more I've been looking into the vagus nerve, different things activate the vagus nerve. If you look at a list, there's a humming, chanting, gargling water, so many different things. Um, but I'm bringing up those ones because the recitation of the Quran, I believe it activates the vagus nerve, which is number one, why it's so calming. And um, it's very relaxing. So reciting out loud and with proper tajweed, there's healing in that, you know, for the soul, for the body, the mind. So I love that aspect of it and learning the tajweed. And for me, just to hearing my own voice um, recite loudly, is just, it's just beautiful. And hearing other people recite, like I love hearing a beautiful voice reciting Quran. It does something to me. For some people, it might be going deeply into the meanings, studying the tafsir and understanding it and making connections in life. For some people, I have one friend who's a grammar nerd. She gets giddy about grammar. And for her, like that's where she finds that strong connection with the Quran. For some, it's all all three. And for me, it is all three. I mean, I think initially what uh, drew me in was the recitation, but I love learning things about the grammar. Right now I'm in tafsir classes. It's a matter of realizing, first of all, not kicking ourselves. If you feel like, why don't I love the Quran? Like, why am I struggling every day to spend time with it or even once a month or, you know, not really getting into self-deprecation about it, but asking, okay, I know the Quran is important. This is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's words. How can I love it? Love is something it takes work. Yes. <laughs> you know, one of the ways, I mean, I didn't go, you know, go to Syria with, okay, I'm going to fall in love with the Quran, but by spending time with it, because I had this goal of, you know, getting my ijaz and the dweed so I could come back and teach. It happened naturally, but I spent time with it. Also realizing that, even if you don't feel like it, let's say you make a commitment, you tell yourself, okay, whether or not I feel this, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to read the Quran. Number one, it's reward. I mean, we're getting rewarded for every single letter that we recite, the time that we spend with the Quran, realizing that spending that time, there is a healing. It's it's not a matter of I need to be perfect before I can approach the Quran. No, it's the, the Quran that will heal us. It's the Quran that washes away our sins. It's the Quran that beautifies and purifies our hearts and makes them beat. SubhanAllah, I remember my teachers also telling us that don't get attached to the feelings that you get when you worship because those come and go. Sometimes when we pray, we feel like we are, you know, really an Isra and Miraj. You know, maybe when we're at the Kaaba. We feel like we could fly. We feel light. It can happen anytime. It can happen in Ramadan. It could happen out of Ramadan. There's some days where we're praying and we don't feel a thing. For when it comes to prayers, of course, it's fard. And so we are fulfilling that. When it comes to Quran, you know, we're getting reward, like whether we feel it or not. And then just, you know, if we just come with an open heart and, you know, make dua, Ya Allah, open my heart to the Quran and help me to love it. Help me to love your words. With time, if somebody who is consistently reciting, I, I would be surprised if there's not something that shifts in your heart, you know, some kind of attachment that grows. So really having, you know, like grace with ourselves, with our past, maybe, you know, you mentioned feeling that shame and guilt, just leaving that in the past and say, okay, alhamdulillah, I'm here now. And I have the rest of my life, however long that may be. Also realize that there are people who grow up completely attached to the Quran reciting. And one of the, a big test might be that they lose that desire. For, for whatever reason. So it can go both ways and just realize that, you know, right in this moment, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has put this love in my heart, this desire. Alhamdulillah, I'm, I'm moving forward with it. Let's, let's look forward. 
I think that's something that we struggle with. Dr. Sede, you're so right. Developing a relationship with the Quran, you can't fall in love with something or someone overnight. You have to, it does take work and it really truly does. And I think it also depends on the state of your heart too. I think a lot of us are weighed down by our past sins. And like I was speaking about earlier, like our shortcomings. And I think that's something that for me personally, that can get in the way when I am trying to do things for the sake of Allah, when I am trying to do something as just reading the Quran and connecting with Allah, it's as if everything that I've done wrong just comes to the forefront of my mind. And so I trick myself in a way, or of course, it's the shaitan working overtime, tricking me that I'm not a good enough Muslim to, to read the Quran. Who are you to read the Quran and whatnot? So you start to really like feel down about that. And I came to the realization recently. And I think it's so beautiful that you mentioned making dua and seeking Allah's guidance and really like yearning for that desire of wanting to connect to him more. I realize, like when I make dua, you know, you, you're you supposed to repent for your sins. You're supposed to ask Allah for forgiveness. And then you make your dua. And subhanAllah, I realize like the reason why we do that, it's, it's like we're coming to Allah with all of our shortcomings. It's like Allah reminding us, like, here you are, you're right in front of me. You're coming with all of your shortcomings, yet I'm still going to answer your dua in the best way possible. And I'm still going to put the desire in your heart to want to read the Quran because I already put the desire in your heart to even come to me to make this dua. It's such a beautiful way that that's how we approach Allah. We approach Him with all of our shortcomings. Not that we need to. Allah knows our inner workings, knows everything that we've done and haven't done, subhanAllah. But it's almost like we are also reminding ourselves of how merciful and how loving our Creator is to be able to approach him in that way, but to also be able to know that you are good enough. You are good enough to read the Quran. You are good enough to try your best. You are good enough to do things for the sake of Allah. Nobody's not good enough. And, you know, we all know this, like Allah created us to have flaws so that we can come to him. The biggest shortcoming is not coming to Allah. I think that's truly a shortcoming if if we were to talk about shortcomings. So I think for me, that was one thing that I had to do is rid my heart of everything that was weighing it down, all the sin, all the past shortcomings. And there's this one quote that always like sticks to me and it says, if you find darkness in your heart after you sinned, know that in your heart there is light and only because of this light you felt the darkness. And that's something that Allah plants in our hearts. So I just really want to share that. I can't thank you enough for writing this book to inspire so many women. And like, I, I really can't emphasize from all walks of life, you know, we're all on our own personal journey. And maybe I'm not, you know, reciting the Quran in Arabic and I'm reading a translation, yet I still feel that healing that you're speaking of. It's like literally my favorite part of the day now. And I said a few pages, but now I'm reading like a surah a day and it feels so good. It feels, it's just like you do truly connect to the Quran. And I really, really want to hold on to that. I just want to talk about, you know, how your connection to the Quran will not look like anyone else's. Because I could have read your book and I said, oh, I'm not good enough because I haven't memorized the Quran. Who knows if I'll ever get to memorize the Quran. So why even bother? That why bother mentality, I've spoke about it in the last season, that can really, really hurt us. When you're on this journey, like how are you able to not compare your journey to that of the other woman that you were surrounded with and just really focus on you and your connection to the Quran and to Allah in the process. And what you said was beautiful. It is true that the state of our heart can affect our ability to spend time with the Quran. And one of the most beautiful things that one of my teachers said to me early on in my journey was, you will know when 
you are like forgiven from a sin when you, you no longer think about it. Or if it, if you think about it, it's a passing thought. It doesn't hold that energy anymore. You know, if, if the same thing keeps on coming back again and again, and we feel that pinch and it, when we feel that physical reaction in our bodies, that means, you know, I, I get to sit here, you know, with Allah subhanahu wa and whatever it is, um, whatever method, you know, whether it's asakhar, whether it's crying, like, when it comes to forgiveness, you know, for some people, it's spending that time doing a safar. And for some people, it's so like, let yourself cry, you know, if you feel that. So that was a, it was a good marker. That's important. And then at the same time, realizing, don't think that we cannot approach the Quran until, okay, until I'm sinless, because it will also wash away. It will help us in that process of forgiveness, of, of asking for forgiveness. You know, it would have been very easy for me to compare myself to the women that I saw who, believe me, many of them have been memorizing Quran since they were three years old. Of course, I mean, I recited the Quran through once when I was eight years old, had my Amin party celebrating, you know, that re reading through. But I didn't come from this, you know, sort of lineage of, okay, everybody memorizes Quran. That could have stopped me from even starting. The other thing is, you know, subhanAllah, my, my teacher who was amazing, you know, who I recited the whole Quran to in Tajweed, amazing woman, very selfless, spent hours and hours with me, um, a beautiful, beautiful soul. But she didn't have a lot of experience with uh, people coming from other countries. At the end, when I expressed interest in memorizing the Quran, she flat out said, you won't be able to. <laughs> Because, you know, I didn't speak Arabic or seen anybody who had memorized the Quran and, and didn't speak Arabic. So, I mean, there are so many factors, but what really helps me, even even till now, when I get frustrated with where I feel like I should be with my review, when I feel that feeling of, oh my gosh, I'm going to be judged, I think about at the end of the day, what is going to matter it's between me and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's it. In the hereafter, nothing anybody else thinks, nothing anybody else says is going to affect me when I'm standing before him. And how do I want to stand before him? I want to, in the very least, be able to say that I really tried. I'm not where I want to be with my review. I wish I was so much better with Quran. I wish I was so much better of a person, but you know, y'all, I tried. You know, sometimes we get so caught up with what are people going to think? What are they going to say? I'm going to be judged. But at the end of the day, I, I sometimes do this thing where I go forward in my life. I don't know how long I'm going to live. Let's say I live to 100. You know, Shalom. let's say maybe, Shalom. you know, I, I'm on my deathbed. What am I really going to care about? And I'm just going to care that I put in effort and I was committed because on the flip side, there's a lot of women who are discouraged from memorizing Quran. And I write about that in the book, you know, for various reasons, people tell them either women shouldn't do it or, you know, don't do it because you're going to forget it. So many different things. And I teach Quran memorization class. A lot of these limiting beliefs come up for women. I tell them, you know, imagine yourself now you're on your deathbed. Are you going to wish that you did it? Wish that I wish I had just done it like and not listen to people. You know, I have this map in my office that has pins on all the countries that I visited. It was a beautiful gift that my sisters gave me for my birthday one year. I love it. You know, and I've been to some, you know, some really cool places. People come into my office, drug reps and stuff. They'll ask me, like, do you, do you have a goal of going to like every single country? And while I love traveling and I think it's super cool and I love it, but you know, I think about it. I'm, I'm not going to care when I'm on my deathbed, did I make every single country? So just having that perspective that this is between me and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And another really beautiful story that my mom shares that, you know, there's all these people at Umrah, 
And there's a man there, he's sitting there with the Quran open, and he's just putting his finger over every single line, tracing his finger, and he's saying, Ya Allah, this is true. Ya Allah, these are your words. This is true also. These are your beautiful words. He didn't know how to read. So he's just sitting there and he's going over and he's like, yeah, this is true. Ya Allah, this is true. You know, when we think about it, that's that's beautiful. That's his relationship. And we don't have the right to judge anybody else, like what it looks like. Is it nice? Yes. Do I want to encourage people, for example, in Ramadan, try to read all the way through once. Some people, it, they can't. Maybe they're going to read the translation and that's fine. You know, maybe they're going to read the translation all the way through. Maybe they don't know Arabic yet. Maybe they're going to listen to it because for whatever reason, they're struggling. Maybe every day they're going to just pick it up and hold it in their hands. That's step one for some people. Thank you for sharing that. That really warmed my heart. Just subhanAllah, like how all of us are, we're on this journey and, and our journey just looks so different than that of our peers and whatnot. And you remind me of something that I've always said on this podcast, like when you are judged in the hereafter, you know, on judgment day, Allah is judging you, solely you based on what you've done. And he's not comparing you to anybody else. And I think we fall into this comparison game in, in this dunya. And honestly, it could really paralyze you and your growth and your connection to Allah if you do feel like you're never going to be good enough if you are always comparing somebody to wherever they are on their journey and you do not know how long it took them to get there and you do not know how many tears they've shed behind closed doors to to get to that point of being able to connect with Allah in that way. So I really want to thank you for sharing that. There's a part of the book that you said, and it really resonated with me. You said that you allow the Quran to be an active participant in every interaction that you have, and that you also feel like you're physically carrying the Quran in your heart. And I think some other women also like said something along those lines. You said those two things, and it honestly resonated with me. And I kind of want you to just elaborate a little bit more. Like, how do you feel like the Quran changed you as a person? Because a lot of times we feel like, oh, now I should be a perfect Muslim, but we know you can't be something that doesn't exist. But who is this version of you now that you have memorized the Quran? And you are somebody that still tries to connect to the Quran, of course, on a daily basis, or you try to review as much as you can. But just for any of us who are even just opening up the book and the first chapter, for me, like I I felt like this past week, because it's brought on a lot of peace into my life. And I'm just reading the translation version. It does depend on the state of your heart and how much you love the Quran and your willingness to want to develop a relationship with it. But who are you now, Dr. Saadia, after you've developed this personal and intimate relationship with the Quran. I love what you said about perfection. And we were talking about perfection before and imposter syndrome, how women are afraid to come forth and claim something that they've done because of that fear of judgment. Actually, that's one of my main messages. If anybody takes anything, yes, I want p- people to have a good relationship with the Quran. But at the end of the day, we are all imperfect. Every single one of us, each one of us has different sins and different imperfections, but we all have them. You know, subhanAllah, in fact, just realizing that the only perfect human being, you know, was the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So in a, in a way, who do, who do I think I am, <laughs> you know, to yes. think that, yeah, of course, you know, you might judge me, but that's on you because I know I'm imperfect. So you're the one who's being judgmental. And so that's your flaw. All of us just having grace with each other and realizing that each one of us is sinning. It's just different. We all have our own shortcomings. I mean, that's the first thing I'll say. I'm not a perfect person. But when I say that I'm carrying the Quran with me in every interaction, there is a certain peace that people might feel in my presence. And I don't take any credit for that. What they're sensing is the Quran. You know, subhanAllah, when I came back from Syria and four days later, I started medical 
school. I remember we did an icebreaker to get to know our classmates and we were in a small group of eight people or something. And we did this little icebreaker where each one of us had to write to each person a note card saying one thing that I'm giving to you and one thing I'm taking from you. So for example, I'm taking your sense of humor and I'm giving you my commitment, you know, and without fail, I wish I had saved those cards because every single person wrote something to the lines of, I want from you your sense of peace. You seem so calm. It was all that. And it's not me because I never considered myself like I'm a calm person, yeah. you know, I mean, you know, subhanAllah. So oh, I think it did help. It, it did support me in becoming just more calm. And like people say, oh, you're so Zen. And But, you know, really what they're sensing is the Quran. It's coming in every single interaction, every single person that I come in contact with, they're getting a piece of that. Just realizing how sensitive our bodies are, our hearts, our hearts, they can soak up good and we carry that good with us and we share it with the people around us. And the opposite is true as well. I would like to echo those same sentiments, honestly, because yes, we are doing this interview virtually, but I swear I haven't felt this calm in a while. Like I'm just very like relaxed at peace, everything, like all my questions and my thought process is just flowing effortlessly. And that's because this is just a very calm and peaceful conversation. So subhanAllah, like that's such a beautiful way to put it. I did not expect that answer in the way that we can be changed physically, emotionally, mentally from just connecting to Allah and the Quran, subhanAllah. I think the last thing I want to talk about, and I, I hope this is just the last push and the last motivation for those who want to connect to Allah and want to connect to the Quran. Sometimes we feel like certain things are not possible to accomplish, aside from feeling like you're not good enough or this or that. But some of us, I feel like we are racing against time and we feel like, oh, who am I to like be able to pick up the Quran and read it and, and memorize it or, or even just reading it in general. It reminds me of this thought and, and knowing it's actually a fact that absolutely no one can close a door that God has opened for you. So even just you having that thought process of wanting to connect, and even though you're you're giving yourselves a million new reasons why you can't connect, that's still like all planting that desire in your heart. And I feel like sometimes, you know, we're standing in front of the right door, but not it might not be the right time. Or we're standing in front of the right door and now it's closed shut. And it's just like Allah decides our fate every single day, subhanAllah. And I think we just build up so much resistance within our bodies that we kind of choose to ignore all the signs and, and we almost like stop ourselves from doing what we can accomplish, what was written for us. And for me, I honestly did not think that I was going to pick up the Quran before Ramadan. I, I truly just like crossed paths with your book. I read it and subhanAllah, it planted that seed that I needed, that last push. So I guess like what is your last parting advice for those who are listening when it comes to that feeling of things may seem impossible. For me also, I feel like there's a huge benefit in setting intentions. I think that's just such a great way to start anything or to, to push yourself in doing anything that your heart desires. I feel like intention really, really helps ignite that desire. So this is a perfect ending because as I mentioned, I do teach a class on memorizing Quran along with the book. And I started out sharing of a lot of like, tips on memorizing Quran. So I have students who have gone through, they've learned the Tajweed, they've recited it all the way through in Tajweed, and now they've started memorization. And so it started out, I was giving a lot of like tips and, you know, you can try this tip. And But then subhanAllah, just naturally, I started realizing that the biggest obstacle in not only the Quran journey, but in most in everything we do in life, because as we know, how we do one thing is how we do everything is our mindset, our limiting beliefs. How do we, I don't want to say get over our limiting beliefs, but 
how do we kind of move forward despite limiting weights? You know, there's so many different ways to do that. So what I was doing was a lot of coaching, you know, when it comes to the actual like tips, but you know, you can go online, you can find tips to memorize the Quran, like, okay, read it through this many times, 20 times, then do X, Y, and Z. And there's, there's so many like lectures and different materials, but working on mindset is so important. And that's why the next step that I did was I wanted to have everything in in one place that included that mindset work. And that's where the crowning venture journal slash planner came in, because it walks people step by step through that. So subhanAllah, that takes work. And what I want to say is even how you mentioned, how do we go about developing that relationship with the Quran? How do we make what seems impossible possible? I highly recommend taking classes. For example, if you have the opportunity, it's always good to have some kind of teacher or a coach or, you know, somebody who a mentor, whatever we want to call it, When I had started my journey, the opportunities were not that many, for example, to learn the uh, learn tafsir, you know, that was way back again, like I said, internet was new, (laughs) you know, these opportunities weren't there. In addition to, of course, what we do ourselves, I mean, it is in, in our human nature that we do better when we have like a mentor, we have a coach, we have a teacher, a guide. I mean, the Prophet ﷺ, that's what he was, not only for the people alive at his time, but he that's what he is for us now, ﷺ, which is a huge gift. We have this, this gift of him. He's our guide. and We know how to live life. And so definitely find whatever it is. Maybe it's a local community class. Maybe it's something online. Of course, I am very much dedicated to uh, Rabat, you know, the mm-hmm. program through Rabata, yes. which is an amazing program, women teaching women, you know, but find what works for you. There might be trial and error. You might try one thing and and just stay committed to, okay, where can I find that support? Because in the beginning, especially support is important. Eventually we become self-cleaning ovens. You know, we can do things on our own. We can, we're self-motivated. We've got a plan. And even then, you know, I still recite to a teacher. I still have teachers, you know, I have a spiritual, spiritual guides. I have a coach. I have, you know, Mm -hmm. I have a doctor. You know, I go to a doctor myself. Alhamdulillah. I think really just doing some mindset work, not only will, will help with Quran, but with everything in life. Thank you so much, Dr. Sadia. This was such a beautiful discussion, such a beautiful way to kickstart Ramadan. And thank you for those resources, rabata.org. I'll definitely, you know, include in the episode notes. While you're listening to this episode, you can just click on the episode notes and see all the resources, as well as Dr. Sadia, your page. I'll include that, your Instagram page and social networks and whatnot. And of course, a link to purchase the book and the journal. I will be hosting a giveaway. I, I definitely just love supporting women like you. I, you know, if I feel like a book really resonated with me, like I would love to just give every single person a copy. You know what I mean? So I would love to, inshallah, host a giveaway. And so more people can honestly cross paths with such a beautifully written book that really can inspire you to reimagine a relationship or rethink your relationship with the Quran and with Allah. So thank you so much, Dr. Sadia, for your time. I really, really appreciate you. And inshallah, we can continue to connect in the near future. But Ramadan Kareem to you and your family. Thank you so much. 